This Future Construct podcast episode is supported by Applied Software. Applied Software is on a mission to transform industry by empowering their clients and championing innovation with real-world expert consultants. So visit asti.com, it's A-S-T-I.com, and please let them know that we here at Future Construct and BIM Designs sent you. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Future Construct podcast. I am your host, Amy Peck, and we have a fantastic guest today, Jenny Moshe, who is the Chief Information Officer at Sullen Construction. Welcome, Jenny. Thanks so much, Amy. It's a pleasure to be here. So you have a really amazing job at a really amazing company. And I'm curious, you know, what was your journey? Did you always want to be in construction? Did you always want to be in technology? How did you get here? Oh, so fascinating of a question. Uh, <laughs> I'll keep it short. Um, I actually started my journey to CIO as a temporary receptionist, um, I will say, back after college. And so joined the temp ranks. And then I, I I was notorious for creating my own roles in companies that didn't exist before. And so, you know, um, was had the, the pleasure of experiencing a lot of different industries. And, and uh, you know, I jumped from Temping into uh, this thing called management consulting in the tech world in the early 90s. And so it was fun to experience the whole dot-com age. And I worked in as a business analyst into project management and then program management. And so it evolved to have quite the portfolio of, of roles and titles. And even early on, I was, you know, at a in a sales job, I'll say, even before consulting. And and I started as a, I created a role from customer service. I went from that temp role to customer service to then creating a house rep role. And so I got to travel and drive 5,000 miles a week, actually. So an oil change a week, um, selling high-end clothing to ski and golf resorts. And so uh, that was quite a fun, fun experience. And then, and then popped into a consulting. And so when I found technology consulting, I found my home and I loved it and never looked back. And so that was where I spent the good portion of my career. And so, but I always was a consultant for great boutique consulting firms, um, fun, great people, building teams of consultants, delivering client solutions. But I, what was always missing for me was building my own team and curating a department. And so when Selen knocked, I, uh, I definitely jumped at that opportunity and was thrilled. And and I've, I've told my boss, I've just never had so much fun in my career. I found, I will say construction found me. I wasn't necessarily looking for construction, but of all the industries I've been exposed to, you know, whether it's healthcare, financial services, consumer goods, um, mobile, you know, technology, I just love construction. There's so much to it. And so I'm just, I'm just like at my final destination and, and Define Selling has been an absolute gem in the whole mix. So. Now, I love that that's this completely circuitous journey, um, but I can see like the, it's sort of the, there's definitely a through line right, with, the, mm-hmm. with sort of the teams and, and consulting. So did, were you, did you actually get any, any like free, free like ski passes during, during that time? Free ski <laughs> passes? popped into my head. I was like, no, that was yeah. a great job. Well, it's interesting because, um, you know, when Selen was looking for a technology leader, they were looking for someone with business acumen and a business focus, not a computer science person. And so I was always focused. I've always been focused my whole career on the business, the user experience. You know, technology is a byproduct of the workflows. And so I just had fun interacting with the people and understanding what they were trying to accomplish with the software. 
throughout their day and not make it harder on them throughout their day. So, so when Selen um, was looking for that, I mean, it was a great match. And so I, you know, was thrilled to, I went in as director of technology, actually I was director of IT first, and then I rebranded the department to director of technology and technology services, because we were doing a lot more than your traditional help desk. And so we've expanded to do technology solutions, data services, you know, construction lifecycle technologies, emerging technologies and innovation. And so we're much, we're providing much more for our business than a traditional help desk and operations team. And that's half of the team. So um, it's exciting. And so over the last year or two, as we've cultivated more strategic initiatives and the the, the awareness around cybersecurity, um, I actually said, I think it's time that someone has a CIO. And so we, we made that happen. I also love that you that you kind of created all of your roles, but they make perfect sense in sort of the context of your of your career trajectory. You know, you mentioned cybersecurity, and that's you know very much top of mind. I think now, uh, especially with with uh, you know a lot of the ransomware that's coming in, data breaches. You know, what are what are some of the things that? Yeah, I mean, there's so much for us to talk about because it seems so much on the side. So, where would you like to begin? Oh my <laughs> where gosh! You know, I can talk about data all day. Cybersecurity is super interesting. I'm on a number of um, advisory groups for that, um, just as a spokesperson on behalf of Selen. And we help inform roadmaps of our construction technologies, as well as our cybersecurity technologies and all the basic technologies that run a company. And so, you know, cybersecurity is a tough one to tackle because it's a daily, daily, uh, you know, just avalanche of information that you can choose to process or not. And so we've been fortunate to partner with some great, um, you know, partners in the in the software space and the vendor space. But um, I'll say, you know, what we've done with our small and mighty team is, is I've pulled from both sides of our our collective groups to um, pull together what I call our cell and SOS team. So it's our security operations SWAT team. And so we we slice and dice and cover threats throughout the day and have separate mechanisms for communication and our incident response planning and all the things that go into cybersecurity. So I think it's also just educating our staff to just be smart and it gets smarter every day. I mean, you know, we can see the news headlines every day. So it's definitely a lot to keep up with. Yeah, I, I was at a conference recently that was focused very much on, on cybersecurity and, and one of the one of the notes that came out of it was that so many data breaches come from, you know, an employee. And it's not about not being careful. It's just, right. you know, in your day-to-day, it's it's very hard to be super diligent and something that looks like it's completely innocuous and from a trusted source. And it's just that one click and then boom, somebody's in. Yeah, we're we're nobody wants to be that person that that put the company at risk. And so everybody's happy that we've you know, when we shut them down autom- autonomously with some of the tools we have that have autonomous response, they are they are fine with being disrupted for a few minutes versus bringing the company down for a few hours. So it's definitely something everybody's aware of. And so I, when I when I was, you know, perusing your actually you're doing so many interesting things, but of course I was drawn to to some of the work you're doing in mixed reality. Can you talk a little bit about are those are those are those projects that you can actually talk about? Yeah, it, um, you know, it, it's interesting. It depends on the owner, but uh, we do have, you know, it's interesting. Some of your previous guests, we've had some great conversations with, and 
you know, Sala Palos uh, Eckert was on my team for a while as our director of innovation and emerging technology, and she formed the Cell and Player One group. And we've carried that forward, even though she left to fly, her, spread her wings at Microsoft. And so it's interesting to, um, you know, get the group of, we bring hackers and tinkers from across the company together to come up with innovations across the quarterly timeframe. And so we are doing some exciting things right now with the concept of an X lab, which is a mobile lab that we can take to our owner job sites with that immersive experience inside of a, an enclosure of sorts, but a portable lab, you know, and it builds on our X now, which is some of our patent pending software that we've had fun with the Xbox controller and other things, just to make the interaction with the model future based world uh, more palatable for folks that are a little skittish around it, you know, and just just make it uh, normalized instead of something unique and special and for highly trained individuals. We just want to make it, you know, democratize it to the masses and get get it out there and make it just a, a part of everyday workflows. So that so there's two two points there that, that I'd love to kind of pick up on. One is, is obviously, you know, I, I love what you said about, you know, just making it accessible and, and, and understanding the workflows uh, of, of people who may or may not be super willing to bring in new technology. But then the second piece is that, you know, construction environments are incredibly challenging. So, you know, delicate technology, there may not be good connectivity. So, so how are you looking at kind of, you know, really enabling technology at scale? I think we can do the POCs, we can even do some pilots. Um, but to really scale in these environments, I think, is, is challenging. What are some of the ways that you're, that you're looking at that? Yeah, that's an ongoing challenge, Amy, and I, I'm glad you brought it up because I'll always say, no matter who I'm talking to or the conversations I'm in with any of our software providers or platforms, we still have to bring connectivity to the job site. And I wish there was the concept of mesh networks and we could just wrap the structure as it went up to a high rise into you know a connected environment. So we're we're keeping our eye on everything 5G here and there. Um, space, whatever it takes to light up the job site and keep, you know, we've explored different frequencies and radio channels and other things for the parking structures, just to get our foreman productive in these spaces that are just tough to connect. And so it's definitely an ongoing challenge, but exploring, you know, edge capabilities, IoT that that plugs into that, that boosts, we're getting boosters, you know, what are on a low scale, you know, cradle points for just small job sites that are just starting up. And then we we build them out as we can, but we're actually, we're even looking at, since we've moved to the cloud primarily as selling, just refreshing our whole network configuration because it's based on a previous world. And so we're always looking to optimize. And it's it's interesting how some players in the connected space are bringing about, uh, you know, uh, they're bringing about really um, cheaper ways with double the speeds. And so we're really paying attention to that and, and challenging our vendors against each other to help help provide the best service to our work, workforce. That's great. So we're going to take a little break and hear from our sponsors that we will be back shortly. This episode of the Future Construct podcast is supported by the amazing team at Applied Software. They have solutions for any modern project. Applied Software is on a mission to transform industry by empowering their clients and being the champions of innovation with their real-world expert consultants. They have a comprehensive suite of solutions for AEC, MEP, and manufacturing, and they have a singular focus to help you achieve higher performance. 
They have software, training, support, consulting, and custom development. Applied Software has you absolutely covered for all of your workflow needs. And BIM Designs is proud to be a client and partner of Applied Software. So visit ASTI.com, that is A-S-T-I.com, and please let them know that Feature Construct and BIM Designs sent you. And we are back. I'm not, I'm not ready to stop on this network piece because it's a big <laughs> deal. And I actually was just in New York um, working with a, a telco and a, a, a consultancy who just opened up an incredible innovation lab uh, right, right in the Flatiron District in Manhattan. And, you know, they have all the toys. It's they've got you know, AR, VR, they've got robotics, they've got uh, natural language processing. I mean, it's, it's just a great kind of swath of technology. And then their partner uh, actually installed a private 5G network, which is nice. you know, pretty spectacular. And yeah, yeah. It, 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 you know, the economics of that on the construction site, we're, we're not quite there yet. Um, but I, you know, I think I can see a, a point at which you know, generally available 5G plus some of these, these uh, private networks in more remote areas that there is going to be potential to kind of weave this together between, you know, hybrid cloud, edge, and 5G. Um, but, you know, it just can't happen fast enough. <laughs> Absolutely agree. I'm surprised you were able to even leave that lab because that would be exciting. <laughs> Those are the visits that, that get my juices going. It's fun to see what's possible. And I watch other industries as well. So watching the medical field and the robotic surgery, remote surgery happening on 5G networks, that kind of thing. I'm like, how do we parlay that to a job site and, and boost our foreman and, and superintendents out there putting work in place? And so that's the, that's, those are exciting developments. And I think we're real close, but it's still a challenge as an industry, you know, just, just the downloading of files of Revit, I'll say in particular, is still a constant challenge for us. We keep trying to crack that nut and haven't, haven't made it easy, I will say. There are ways, but it's not, it's not as smooth as it should be in my mind. Well, we are, we are inching there and, you know, it's, everything gets a little bit smaller, a little bit faster and a little bit less expensive. So, so yeah. we, just have to, we just have to wait it out. Um, and so what are some of the, there's so, there's so much great technology out there. And you know, to your point, it's like you go to these innovation labs and you never want to leave because yeah. it's like the future is right there, but it doesn't really feel like the future because you can see these right. sort of practical applications today. But how, how far in advance are you thinking about like emerging technologies but then, you know, there's there's the day to day of, you know, how do we improve process today? But where do we really want to go? And and how do you kind of balance that, uh, you know, in your in your day to day? Yeah, I mean, we're I'm always looking five to ten years out and backing into that and laying the groundwork to go forward. You know, it's it's but it also comes down to the people that are on the team and building the right capabilities and skills for the future along the way. And so I've had the the joy of bringing folks from different parts of our business into my team. And so, for example, we brought a warehouse person that was great at reporting. He's now a wizard on our trans data transformation and visualizations. And we now, I know, I helped craft the job description that brought a technology architect into our precon group. And so I'm planting seeds across the company and and getting that expertise and boosting our our future state. Um, you know and Asala was another good example of bringing in someone from the VDC team into technology that could see the workflows because our team doesn't know the workflows in the field. And so any exposure we can get to that helps it inform our future strategic initiatives and the, the path to get there. And so, you know, laying that groundwork is a constant 
constant um, part of the game. And, you know, even recently a foreman joined the ranks of our pre-con team and he's now building Power BI dashboards for us. And I'm just letting them rip. Like, it's great. And bringing together this data squad because everything is centered around data. And I think of data as the fuel for everything we're doing in this industry. And it's so exciting of a time for our industry to be on this cusp of another wave of innovation. And I think this time it's going to stick more than ever before. So, you know, it's it's really about, you know, everyone's looking to me across every department, every budget season, like, Jenny, we need this, this, this. And every department relies on technology as a center to get the, the work done for the day and bring together the data. So it informs the next strategic initiative or the next great decision. This, this warms my heart, this, this, this news, that, that this is the way that, that you're operating at Solid. Well, even that I have a role right now posted out there on LinkedIn that's a director of data solutions and performance. And I've had so many GCs reach out to me like, tell me more about this role. I'm like, well, I'll only say so much. But I mean, that's where it's at, right? Like we have to be leading uh, a data-centric organization regardless of the industry at this day and age. And so it's, but it, we can't forget about the experience of people in the field and how we get that data because that's the tough part. You know, there, there are still some clipboards and spreadsheets all over the place out there, and we need to get that into a, a database of record to do anything valuable with it. So it's soothed saying those those workflows to to make it easy for data collection so that a foreman or someone's not looking at a screen and typing it in with a finger. I really, I really hope we can get there soon. No, and I think I think your approach is, is absolutely spot on. I think it's it's one of the one of the areas where companies can miss is that you know they they hire the smartest, best developers and data scientists, uh, you know, and and basically creators of solutions, but they don't really bring in enough of the end user. And unless the end user buys in, it doesn't matter how good your solution is, right. it's not gonna happen out there. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually going about an effort right now where we're bringing together a task force of all across functions across the whole company. Um, so we can even rate ourselves right now on how we're doing because we know we have a lot of point solutions for these various workflows in the field. And the idea has always been to consolidate our digital core into more of a uh, unified platform approach. And so, but the industry isn't necessarily made that way where you get all aspects at a 80 plus percent of capability. So I want to challenge our business to, to really answer the hard question of what, you know, how, how, how much is it really serving us now? You think you need all these bells and whistles over here on daily reporting, but you might be able to accomplish it here and it would actually connect further in. So those are the kinds of things, to your point, getting buy-in early, just even with what we have now versus what we think we want in the future. And so, you know, we have, um, we had recent news from, from Facebook, and and I, I still think this is going to be news, even if someone listens to this ten years from now. It'll be really interesting to see how now Meta evolves. There will, there will be people who will never even remember it being called Facebook. You know, how how do you think that impacts the workforce? Because it's clearly targeted at consumers. Consumers are the workforce, but how long do you think it's going to be before it really starts to kind of bubble up where you have the workforce saying, Hey, I, I see this you know, cool technology that's for gaming or for entertainment. How can I use it at work? I mean, do you think that we're close or do you think we've still got a, a fair amount of time to go? I think we could apply it in doses, but it has to add real value and make an impact for a person's day for it to be business invaluable. And I think it's, it's important. I always, I just can picture 
you know, when I'm throwing my hard hat on and my boots to go out into the field, I just picture the the hardest workers and what they're doing physically with their day and, and just con- considering that. But, you know, it's it would be great for, I think training is the first place it will come into play because they're all commuting there. And if they're jumping on some public transit and they throw on their headphones or their earpods, they can be immersed in an experience in some way while they're riding the bus to get that, that boost of, of training. I think if they can start to see themselves in the job site environment through this mechanism of metaverse, it would be great to bring in to the, the reality of, of practical business training along the way. Now, I think it's interesting, too, now we're starting to see a little bit more of uh, a a better understanding of what is the difference really between virtual reality, what's the difference between mixed reality and augmented reality. And I think they each have their place. And I think to your point, there's this sort of training piece, but then there's an in-situ piece. Again, environments are challenging, but then to be able to actually have a digital overlay, let's say, of BIM data or... Uh, any kind of schematics or Revit models, uh, you know, we start to see how we start to rewire this kind of end-to-end solution in. And so is that, are you thinking in terms of that breadth? And then even, of course, all the other technologies, you know, AI, robotics, (laughs) they're all kind of converging now. Yeah, for sure. And I think, I think the best, what I've seen the best chance is when you make it familiar. So that first step, I think augmented reality is nice because they still see the current environment and it's added additive. It, it's much like we did with our um, our patent pending software with our XNAV controller where you can customize it. And it was like people put the gaming console in their hands instead of a clunky mouse to scroll through a model and fly through a model. And they just had fun and they didn't think about the fact they were in the model. It was kind of gamish. So but they, but it was an easy bridge because they just stepped into it. It wasn't like, oh, this whole alienating experience. I mean, it's watching people put goggles on and headsets is a, is a thing and they're, they're getting warmer to it. But um, I'll say a lot of the traditionalists and, and guardians in our, in our world are not so comfortable letting go of their reality. So I think it's a stepping stone. No, I think, I mean, I'm in the industry and I put, um, soundproofing on the walls where we had our VR headsets before headset days, you know, because I kept hitting my hand on the side of the wall. So it's not, you know, it's not optimal and, yeah. you know, it poses its own safety challenges. Uh, but now we're seeing the devices that have the pass-through. Um, I do think it's interesting that, you know, both Facebook and Apple have all the money in the world to put out mixed reality glasses. And yet both of them have pushed out the mixed reality glasses a few years, and both are purportedly coming out with this kind of pass-through, sort of VR quasi, you know, pass-through scenario. And I think that that's happening with some other technologies. And so, you know, where where are you? I mean, are there some some technologies where you're just like, it's so close, but it's just like not. <laughs> It's just not ready for prime time. I think natural language processing, anything voice enabled would be, uh, it's like, I think we're close and then we're not. And then we have all the languages to account for in our job sites too, because I just see a lot of value in that is for simple things, even like help desk automation and modernization and the things we take for granted that just make a company run for sure. So I think, I think I would love to see language-based processing, translation, just easier and lower barrier of entry for that, for all of our workers to make it easier to get the information in the first place. Because, you know, we take for granted sometimes that we've just been in the tech world 
You know, and I, I remind my team all the time, like we have folks that are coming from the unions and the trade halls and they not, haven't always used a computer in their role. So they don't have, they don't even know how to get to the Zoom meeting to get on for the training. So we can't assume that they can just jump in. We need to give them bigger, bigger life skills and broader skills and, and folks around our company just asking for how to better organize their outlook or their day in the life calendar. And so, you know, the basic elements sometimes get in the way of thinking too far ahead on the fun stuff, but I, I keep it in, keep it in mind for sure. That's great. Well, I, I, I love your approach and I, and almost every answer includes the workers. And I think that that's, that is, is not, that, that's why you are, where you are, where you are today. That's why I love it. It's so fun that, you know, to find a company that, that's values and core principles, you know, are just so aligned with my own and a sense of community. And, you know, we're doing, we're, we're making people's lives better, you know, and that's, that's what I like to think that we're doing through technology every day as well. I, I wish I'm with you on the natural language processing. I can't even share some of the texts that I've sent using Siri. You're just like, what? <laughs> I did not say a purple giraffe. Like, I just, I don't know where <laughs> that came from. But anyway, so no, we'll, we'll get there. Though. We'll get there. We hopefully will get there. <laughs> so I'm going to uh, you know, end with the question I ask everyone. So if you could project yourself, you know, 20, 25 years in the future, you could bring with you, you know, any gadget or service that would make you personally happy or just make your life better, what would it be and what would it do? Well, I think there are a number of products out in the world that do parts of this, but I would love nothing more than to see uh, an artificially intelligent personal assistant calendar. And I can't come up with the name, but something like a kaleidoscope or a zalander, something that brings my personal calendar together with my family calendar, with my work calendar. And it's it's the the time that I can't I can't just, you know, I can tell my executive assistant to help me schedule this, this meeting, but by the time I've sent her the email, I could have already scheduled it. And I do that all the time. And also just, you know, the, a little bit of predictive tossed in that like you have a dentist appointment or you should schedule your dentist appointment in six months and a predictive ability to know patterns in my life and travel and when my family needs a break. So we need a little quick getaway for a weekend and, but bringing all that together with soccer and everything else that's in a family of five and all the good stuff going on. So it's just, it's fun. I just, I think it's like, we'd have, this has been in existence for so long, right? Calendar. So I, I put my to-do list in my calendar. I build my day because everything takes time. And I think time is so elusive and it's so precious that um, if we could do better about bringing that together with, of course, of course, voice recognition, and we have pieces and parts everywhere, but bringing it in one place would, would be a, a gem of a thing. I love that. I like, I like, I like Zalander. I think that's a, I think you should like immediately go and like trademark that and, and get the domain. Yeah. Because so, I would I would completely buy that product. My 11 year old came up with that. So I'll have to give him. Oh, credit. good. All right. Yeah. That's fantastic. Well, it has been an absolute pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thanks, Amy. What a, what a great crew you have. Thanks so much.